Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. Testing one, two. All right, somewhere on there there should be a southern dial. Just turn it down. Just turn that one down a little bit. Turn up the you know Midwestern accent on the on the system there. Well, good morning, Cornerstone. Good, 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 good. Wow. I'm just looking at the room here. I'm like, okay, so I have to preach to you guys, to these guys, these guys, and these. So I'll be able to walk the full scope of the stage this morning to get everybody in. I'm used to being a, in a classroom teaching, so we can have all of our students kind of clumped together in a little huddle. It's a pleasure to be here. I think this is my third time, I think, coming to Cornerstone. And, uh, of course, I've known Pastor Willie and Minerva and... Uh, uh, your elders for a long time, probably 20 years, 15, 20 years or so, it seems. And it's just an honor to be here with you today. Um, I'm actually going to be ministering to you. Um, let me start my little clock here. You guys don't never put me on a timer, but I'm just trained to be on a, on a timer. That's got 12 hours. You guys probably don't want to be here that long. Let's redo this thing here. Um <clears throat> There we go. Yeah, we um, are normally on a little bit of a time because we have three services, multiple services, and so you have to get in and out kind of quickly and stuff. But I want to kind of open up with prayer and then kind of launch into my message. And uh, you guys believe in having fun in church? Amen. Amen. So let's just have some fun today, uh, and we can still hear from the Lord uh, as we do that. Um, And when we hear from the Lord, it always is going to change us. It's going to make us better. It's going to help us grow. It's going to strengthen and encourage us. So, Father, we are grateful to be in your house this morning. We thank you for the beauty of this day that you created. Thank you that you woke us up and gave us life by your spirit this morning. And, Lord, we just thank you for the worship that's helped us to prepare our hearts to receive the word of God this morning. So we just open our hearts and minds And, Lord, we confess that we are totally dependent upon you. Lord, we can't do or or accomplish anything of any eternal value except it's by your Spirit. So we humbly thank you that you're with us, uh, Lord, and we just yield ourselves to you this morning to do what you would have to do in each of our hearts and collectively as a body. And we praise and thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to kind of share with you a little bit about how this message came came into my heart. Um, I was actually supposed to preach at our church um, probably three or four weeks ago, and uh, and then they wanted me to preach on something. Well, they wanted me to tie my message in to, we were doing a small group campaign at the time, and I just really didn't feel like that's what God was like saying to me. So I said, let this other brother preach. And believe you me, God was all over his message. I think he was the one that was supposed to preach that. But that's not the message I'm going to be sharing with you today. It's going to be coming from the book of Proverbs. And I actually saw in your bulletin, have you guys been in a series on Proverbs? Or is that just one of the bulletin covers? Whoa, wow. Look at God. We're going to be doing a little bit of a study on the book of Proverbs. And I'm going to leave you with a little bit of a challenge that I hope you'll uh, engage in. But anyway, uh, this is a little funny side note. This morning, uh, we were in the hotel, and uh, I shaved. Uh, I want to clean my face up a little bit this morning. And uh, I always usually put on a little uh, aftershave because it feels really good after you shave. It kind of cools your face down. Went down for breakfast, and uh, one of the attendants there says, wow, sir, you really smell good. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no, I have overdone it on the cologne. <laughs> she was like four tables away. And, <laughs> and I was like, I had a flashback when I was, used to work in manufacturing. We used to have a guy that used to wear a polo cologne. And, man, you could, hit, you could smell him coming like a mile away. And I thought that's what had happened to me this morning. I thought that. But that says, no, 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 you, you smell really, really, really nice. And so um, in some ways it was a, a blessing for her and an attraction because she said it was an Armani. And she says, wow, that's one of my favorite, favorite colognes. And so what I want to talk to you today about is the title of my message is The Secret of Living 
life well. The secret of living life well. And I want to do a survey. I like engagement with people. Um, so I'll say some things, and I'm going to ask you to give me some feedback. Uh, so I would, I would actually like you to respond. <laughs> so how many of you in here would not like to live life well? Let's see who I'm talking to. Oh, one guy, he's moving his arm back there. but maybe, Oh, that's not a hand raise, right? Okay, awesome. He doesn't want, everybody wants to live life well. Everybody wants to live life well. If I were to uh, survey all of you and ask you what that means to you, we probably would get several different answers. So I'm going to be looking only at three. I'm only going to be looking at three things today that have to deal with living life well. Um, Actually, uh, a, a little bit of a funny illustration. You know, we're living in an age where we like everything kind of microwave. We like everything fast everything quick and so uh, if I were going to say instead of me teaching you how to live life well which may take some time I don't even know if you can get it all and begin to practice all of some of the things we're going to share today from just this one message or one experience but you know in America today we've got pills you can take we have instant supplements that you can take. So, brother, would you like a, a supplement of wisdom that you can take two scoops a day? And uh, you have to put no effort, no energy into it at all. But you just take this supplement, and it's going to make you live life well. How many of you would go for that? Oh, praise God, we got a few of Yeah, take, just take the supplement. Just pop the pill and just let it work in you. You don't really have to do anything. But how many of you know life is not really like that? Life is not really like that. I, I take a lot of healthy food supplements and weight loss supplements and all that kind of stuff, but you know what? You still got to drink water and you still got to exercise. I don't care what they put in the bottle. You still got to do those basic things. But the point is not about the effort. The point is, is that I've always really wanted to live my life well, and there's certain areas of my life that I live well, but then there's certain areas of my life that, that I, I really... I know I'm not where God would have me to be. I think there's room for much improvement in certain areas of my life. And that's where I want uh, God to lead us to today. Um, again, we would have many different definitions about what living life well is. But the truth of the matter is that God, Elohim, the creator, designed timeless truths on how to live life well, and they are revealed in the book of Proverbs. Uh, we'll look at three of those areas today um, and look at three areas of life that when, when these areas are deficient or lacking, you would say that life is not really living, being lived well. So if you've got your Bibles and you want to turn to Titus chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, we'll go for our, our text scripture uh, Titus chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. All right, it says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. And so um, I want to just read that again. I'm reading from the ESV translation. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, in the current time that we're living in. So this scripture is an admon admonition or an instruction to us of how the grace of God is the key ingredient for us to be able to live life well. Most of the time we hear about the grace of God, we think about, you know, the grace of salvation. And thank God for that. It is by grace that we're saved. But the grace of God has the ability to empower us. Can everybody say empower? The grace of God actually has the ability to empower us to do certain things. And it says it trains us. It trains us how to, I like putting it in my own vernacular, how to say no to ungodliness, to worldly passions, uh, live self-controlled and upright and godly lives, which are all things that if, if they're operating in your life, they're going to prevent you from living life well. They're going to prevent you or hinder you from living life well 
if you're involved with things that are ungodly or worldly passions uh, that are, are you're not living a life that's self-controlled um, and that's upright. So to live life well, you need wisdom and God's grace to apply the wisdom that you get. So what is wisdom? What is wisdom? Wisdom is the ability to discern inner qualities and relationships. It's the ability to discern or be able to clearly see and distinguish between inner qualities and relationships. Um, It's like having insight. And so insight means the power or the act of seeing into a, a situation uh, James 1.5 says, if anyone lacks wisdom, you know, let him ask of God. So, so my abil- uh, definition of, of uh, wisdom is the ability to apply knowledge to a situation and produce a good result. And in the book of Proverbs, and I'm not going to read that particular story, but it's the story of King Solomon. Uh, how many of you are familiar with Solomon a little bit? Um, so King Solomon was the wisest man on earth. Um, God gave him a gift of wisdom. Now, there's two things. There's a gift of wisdom, and then there's the the ability to grow in wisdom. (coughs) Uh, And Solomon had a gift that God gave him. And basically, the story goes like this. There were two uh, prostitutes that came to him. Both of them had been pregnant. Um, One of them, her baby died during the night. And she went and took the other lady's baby and in the morning woke up and said, this baby's mine, the dead baby's yours. And she brought this uh, situation to the king. Now, how many of you would like to make a decision about that? <laughs> I mean, I don't know if that even crosses your, your mental process there. Of how would I help these two people or make a decision to judge rightly and justly between these two and say, the dead baby's yours and the live baby's hers. Man, that, that takes some wisdom. It takes some insight. It takes some discernment. And so Solomon does something very wise. Um, he tells the guard to bring him a sword. And uh, he says, well, I'm just going to cut the baby in half. And each one of you have a half of it. And problem solved. And guess what happens? The real mother of the baby said, no, don't, don't do that. Don't cut the baby in half. She would rather the, the false mom have the baby than to end the baby's life. And so Solomon says, take the baby, give it to the first mother because that child is hers. You see how wisdom worked in that situation, in that scenario, and hopefully you've had some experiences in your own life like that. Um, <clears throat> one, one more quick story. Uh, just an illustration of what wisdom is and how it should be working. I, I, I work with my, one of my roles in churches uh, called Care Ministries, and so I lead prayer ministries and pastoral care, which is basically taking care of the flock. Um, and then, um, so I have a group that's called um, Support Ministries, and so we do workshops and different things like that. And we're doing a blended families workshop, workshop on blended families, which means the you have two households that are brought together either because of death and then in a lot of cases because of divorce, and you have to merge those two families together. And so this mom is saying that their teenage son who's with the mother, um, uh, both of them are 16, and they, him and his sister have a car. Uh, but one child doesn't want to share the car with the other, with the sister. The boy doesn't want to share the car with the sister. So what does he do? Is he plays on the dad's emotions that he needs his own car and he needs to, dad needs to get off of some money and help him get a car. And so that would be great if his, his dad was uh, Bill Gates, you know, <laughs> and could just go buy as many cars as he wants to. But in his uh, blended family, he still has three kids of his own in addition to his two older kids. And so how do you handle a situation what happens? How do you navigate and minister to that teenager and to the father and to the wife he now has with three little kids that are six and under, I think, because it's a lot of money in buying a car. I just saw on the news sitting in the hotel that to buy a car today is more expensive than it ever has been in, in life. 
So you need wisdom. You need insight as to how to navigate that. It doesn't mean you just give in to the teenager because you want to make the teenager feel like you love him and you care for him, even though he does. But uh, now my wisdom was the teenager needs to get a job like I did and go to work, <laughs> save up some money and buy him a car, because that's what I did, right? Does that, sound like, that sounds like good wisdom, all right? Uh, but then nowadays, you know, people don't really feel like that. They want it to just be, Dad, just give it to me. Just give it to me. But so you see, wisdom is the ability to distinguish or to see into a situation and take knowledge and apply it um, to um, life's situations. So I want to read you something because I want you to see part of this message is for you as individuals. Part of it is, is going to be ap- applied to you as a church. In 1 Kings chapter 10, uh, starting at verse 3, uh, and again, I told you Solomon was the wisest man on the planet. It says, And Solomon, uh, the queen of Sheba, which was a, a queen from a country in Africa, and she'd heard about the wisdom of Solomon. And, and so when you are a person that has wisdom and that carries wisdom, and wisdom is being manifested in your life, what I want you to understand is there's an attraction that's going to be on your life because of the wisdom that lives inside of you. There's going to be an attraction. When I was in that hotel this, this, this week, uh, just Saturday, yesterday and today, um, they have a, uh, I guess you call it a, maybe not a color scheme, but a design scheme. They have all these geometric figures. It's in the floor. It's on pictures on the walls and uh, paintings and all that kind of stuff. It's a geometric figure. It's very, very attractive. Would you not say so? My wife was very, very attractive when you go into that. Um, And so this queen comes to hear of the wisdom of Solomon. And it says she had questions to ask him. It says, and Solomon answered all of her questions. There was nothing hidden from the king that he could not explain to her. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon, had seen all of the wisdom of Solomon, uh, the house that he built, the food on his table, the seating of his officials and the attendance of his servants, their clothing, his cupbearers, his burnt offerings during the worship that he offered at the house of the Lord, that there was no breath left in her in other words she was her breath was taken away by it and she said to the king the report was true that i heard in my own land of your words and of your wisdom but i did not believe the reports until i came and my own eyes had seen it and behold the half was not told to me your wisdom and prosperity surpass the report that i heard now check this out. This is the, the environment that, that he walked or that she walked into in Solomon's courtyard, his palace, and all those kinds of things. Happy are your men. Now I'll bet if I went into your place of work today, I would be willing to say 75% of the employees there, that would not be the adjective that we use to describe them that they're happy. Am I right? Give me an amen if I'm right. Most of them are like miserable, wanting another job. Where else can I go and work? So Solomon had an environment. His wisdom produced an environment in which his his men were happy. Says his men were happy. Um, Happy are your servants who continually stand before you and hear your wisdom. Blessed be the Lord, your God. Now, who is getting credit here? God himself. That's the neat thing about when you're endowed with wisdom and you're walking in wisdom, it glorifies God because that's where wisdom comes from. Blessed be the Lord God who has delighted in you and set you on the throne of Israel because the Lord loved Israel forever. He has made you king that you may execute justice and righteousness for him. So do you, do you see that picture of how wisdom manifested in your life or in the life of a church, in the life of a ministry, 
reveals and it glorifies Jesus Christ and it bring, it attracts people into your life and, and into your church. So there is, uh, where does wisdom come from? Where does wisdom come from? Uh, and that's the next point here. So Proverbs 2 verse 6 tells us that wisdom comes from the Lord. The Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. So there's a wisdom in work. Uh, we call it skill and craftsmanship. And then there's a wisdom in life. And I want to just give you some practical things today. This is a little bit of teaching. But what I'm trying to do is, is, is set a template in your hearts that will begin to produce wisdom in you and wisdom through your life that's going to attract non-believers It's going to attract people that need God in some way, shape, or form. They're going to be attracted to the wisdom that resides inside of you. And one of the first places that you see wisdom is in skill and craftsmanship. In Exodus chapter 35, Exodus chapter 35, verse 30 and 30, 30 through 33. Everybody with me? All right. So then Moses said to the sons of Israel, See, the Lord has called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Ur, of the tribe of Judah. And he has, what, filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, and in knowledge, and in all craftsmanship to make designs for working in gold and in silver and in bronze and in the cutting of stones for settings, and in the carving of wood, so as to perform uh, in every inventive work. And there's something so uh, attractive, there's something so beautiful and glorious about skills um, and craftsmanship in things. Uh, Now, I wish, like I said, I'm on a journey. I, I, I would love that that was one of the ways I live life well, but... God didn't give me the gene of uh, being a craftsman or a builder. Now, my wife is very creative, um, and she's very skilled at that. When I was in shop class in the ninth grade, we had a building project. <laughs> and, and so we had, to, we had to choose between all these different projects we could build. And, you know, so I said, ah, oh, well, what can I do? I'll, I'll try to build my mom a jewelry box. And so you guys familiar with jewelry boxes? Now, this is a wood jewelry box now. Keep in mind, it's not plastic or all the stuff we have today. It's a handmade wood jewelry box. And so, first of all, I, I, I picked out the wood. Now, the wood was about <laughs> almost half an inch thick, Quart, probably like three-quarters of an inch thick. So that, that was the first mistake right there. And anyway, when the, thing got, the project got done and I brought it home to my sister, my, my, my little baby sister, you have to know her, she said, what are you going to do with that trough? <laughs> I was like, what? I said, this is a jewelry box. Now, of course, my mom said, oh, it's, it's just precious. <laughs> it's just precious. But it was really a disaster. But now, if God had endowed me with the skill of craftsmanship, like some of the other guys that were in my class that just had that ability, that God-given ability to shape and form and put designs in that, it would just been even more of a blessing to her. You know, you see, you see my point? So when wisdom is operating through our lives in whatever dimension, because there's all kinds of facets of wisdom, but when it's operating in your life, it's going to attract people. Um, so I want to skip on down. There's wisdom and skill and craftsmanship, um, and then there's wisdom in life. And when I saw the bulletin, I was like, man, maybe they're doing a series on Proverbs, and that would be just awesome because they could just speak right in that. But, uh, and there's tons of verses. I'm not going to give them all to you, but I'm going to give you a little bit of a recipe for living life well. Um, and it's going to contain some of the ingredients uh, as wisdom comes into your life is, number one, knowledge. Secondly, understanding. Thirdly, wisdom. And then, of course, the application of that wisdom. There's wisdom in life. Now, this, the, the Holy Spirit just prompted a little something in my mind. Um, I use a computer a lot, and one of the things that is beneficial 
on a computer is to know how to take a picture uh, of whatever's on your screen. And I'm a little bit, probably a little bit of a slow learner, so I have asked, had asked one of my coworkers, I don't know, umpteen times, how do you take a screenshot? So finally, I did something wise. I wrote it down. <laughs> I actually wrote it down. Stop having to rely on my memory. But uh, there's a, a way that you can take a screenshot, and on, on the Mac anyway, is Shift-Command and the number four. Shift-Command number four. Every time I hit Shift-Command number four, it allows me to take my little mouse and drag it across the image, and boom, it takes a snapshot of it. And so that's, that's knowledge. Having the knowledge, this is how you get that result or that outcome if you want to take a screenshot, you press shift, command four. Now, I can press semicolon three and seven all I want. I can beat the computer up. I can throw the computer across the room, but it's not going to take a screenshot. So knowledge, if you operate against knowledge, it's just going to fail you. You're going to get frustrated. It's not going to produce the results. So knowledge is a key ingredient to, to wisdom. And then there's understanding and then how to apply that information that you know. So there's wisdom in life. Um, and we're going to look at three things, relationships, health, and finances. I would say those are three areas that everybody would agree that if those areas of life aren't operating right, you aren't living life well. Um, okay. So the first one's relationships. If you will turn to Proverbs chapter one, verse ten, and we're talking about relationships and how to live life well, gleaned from the book of Proverbs, the first piece of instruction that Solomon gives. And Solomon, this the whole book of Proverbs is directed to young people. All the young people wave at me here this morning. Come on, wave at me. Come on, yo, come on, wave, come on. I know y'all know what that is. Everybody knows what that is all around the world. Hey, ho, they know that now. So it's directed at you. And it says, My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If sinners entice you, do not consent. The second one is Proverbs 4, 14 through 15. Proverbs 4, 14 and 15. Do not enter the path of the wicked. Now, I'm a southern boy. How many of you guys around here know what a path is? Nobody? Nobody knows what a path is. Oh, a few of y'all know what a path is. Well, let me explain. When you live out in the country and there's shortcuts or a way you want to get somewhere, uh, you carve a, a path out. And you might have to cut down some trees or shrubs or, you know, sand spurs and all kind of stuff, but the more you go down that path, it literally kills everything under, under the, the, the path, the feet, and it becomes a literal thing that you can see how to get to wherever it is you're going. All right? So it says, don't enter the path of the wicked and do not walk in their way of evil. Avoid it. Do not turn uh, do not go on it, turn away from it, and pass on. Um, and so you have to know what wickedness and evil and, and sin, and I think most of us have a pretty good idea of, of some of those things. I don't want to try to dig too deeply in that because I think that's pretty self-explanatory in most cases today. But it, it tells us that we've got to be careful about the relationships and the associations that we have. Um, when I was growing up, now I had... Very, very godly parents. Um, they loved me dearly, but they didn't mind whipping my behind. And so my dad put the fear of him and the fear of God in me at, at an early age. And so when, when I would hang out with my buddies and my friends, um, I knew I had a boundary of certain things that I could do and that I could not do. Now, in the fourth grade, I had an experience where I was in the class with all of my all of my buddies, like one of, some of my best friends, and all the guys that we played sports and t well didn't have t ball back in my day, but uh, little league I think they called it, and we played games and stuff. And oh my gosh, I got in so much trouble that year. I, I mean, literally, we did stuff 
on our way to class it, they would probably put you in jail for today. Um, I got really, really bad. Somehow I got back home to my daddy. <laughs> and he didn't whip me, though. That's the unusual thing. But he had a very serious conversation with me to let me know if I ever did something like that again, it was going to be on me. You guys know what it's going to be on means? Yeah, it was going to be on. And so, needless to say, that was a, a shift in not my relationship, not say I didn't have relationship with these people anymore, but how they influenced me shifted. Um, and so, actually, from that day forward, I was never, ever in a class with most of those uh, guys anymore. I don't know if that was God or Daddy or what, but anyway, I was never in class with those guys anymore uh, for the most part. It says, don't enter their path. When, when I got on up in age and they wanted to do drugs, and they did want to do drugs, they wanted to smoke up a little bit and drink a little bit and that kind of stuff, and I was like, I'm not going there. And so you see, that's what we call heeding instruction. Heeding instruction. Proverbs chapter 1 talks about it. And it's one of the most severe, when you guys read Proverbs chapter 1, that first chapter, you're going to see there's a, a huge warning if you don't listen. I mean, God even says, I, I called out to you, but you didn't listen. And there could be a point where you're going to cry out to me and I'm not going to hear you. That's scary. That is very scary. So, heed instruction. Uh, choose your friends wisely. Um, and, and again, there's so many things in the book of Proverbs, I, I couldn't begin to cover all of them, so I'm just giving you some snapshots of, of relationships and what the Scripture says uh, about those. Now, the second one I want to look at is, is health, uh, the area of health. And actually, at the beginning of this year, well, I, I'll, I'll talk about that when I come to finances. I want to talk about uh, health. Uh, Proverbs chapter 17 uh, verse 22. And I'm going to have to read it. I only put my reference on, on here. Proverbs 17:22. A joyous heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. A joyful heart is good medicine. So how many of you are predominantly joyful people? And I always go around with, you know, optimi- not, not just an optimistic attitude, but there's a joy that is like a well of life that springs up inside of you. Joy it says it actually brings healing to your physical body. Wow. Now, my wife, if we had time, or maybe if y'all invite us to come up and do a workshop one weekend, she is very, very skilled in health-oriented uh, stuff. And so I let her do all the work, and I just take the information and, and operate on it. Is that, is that not wise? <laughs> oh, my gosh. She does all the study and research, and I just take the benefit of it. So Proverbs 18.21, Proverbs 18.21, uh, is that one up there? Okay, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those that love it, those that either love life or those that either love death, will eat its fruits. Powerful passage of scripture. We could do a whole seminar on just that one verse if we had time to do it. But death and life are in the power of the tongue. Um, and so we can speak words of life or we could speak words of death, of cursing, of um, uh, blessing or cursing. And that's a very important thing. And one of the things that we need to learn how to do is govern our tongue. And that's where the grace of God comes in because the Bible says what? No man can rule their own tongue, right? Amen? Nobody can rule their own tongue. But the good news is, is we don't have to do it by ourselves. The Holy Spirit's been given to us to help us bridle that thing. The Holy Spirit's given to us, and he aids us. He helps us so that we can control our tongue and our words, and we can produce life. I hope I'm not giving too many examples, but I, we have a good friend has uh, really died, has diabetes. He just had two, I'm sorry, four toes amputated. Uh, and part of his foot. Um, diabetes and heart condition runs in his family. And so I think it was maybe 
two months ago, we, he had a stent put in his heart. And um, we prepared a meal, we call a meal train or whatever. People take meals. And so my wife takes a meal over to this guy, and he comes out, out of the apartment. What's he doing? <laughs> he's smoking a cigarette. I mean, he's had five stents put in. Five stents put in his heart. I mean, that's like major stuff. I don't know if you guys know that. That's like a big, a big deal. And now he's had toes and feet amputated. And one of his common statements is, I just don't know. What's, I just don't know. I don't know what's going on. And so we've sown into him books and things about how to confess the word, uh, how to put the word. And this helped him to a degree, but it's so entrenched in him, some of that negativity, that it's hard to break that stuff out. And that's when you actually you do need what we call deliverance. Again, that's another whole thing there. But he needs some deliverance because death and life are in the power of the tongue. It's in the power of the tongue. All right, one more verse, Psalms 127. Two, this is dealing with our health. I, I just want to, while he's pulling that up, how many of you has God been dealing with you about your health this year? Health, yeah, about your health. Okay. All right. Now, I'm a really nice person, but I'm saying some of the rest of y'all ain't been listening. Because I'm like, the, he's been dealing with the whole body of Christ, I feel like, about their health, taking care of their physical body, unless you're already doing really good at it, probably. Now, if that's the case, there's uh, probably, he may not be dealing with this strongly. But Psalms 127.2 says, um, It's useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat. For God does what? Gives rest to his loved ones. And so we can be so um, driven by work or success or whatever it might be that we don't actually rest uh, enough, sufficient, for our body to rejuvenate itself. And a couple of years ago, I started like a weight loss thing, and one of the first things she told me was so simple. It wasn't just this, take this magical portion that was going to help you, but it was, you need to sleep eight hours a night. I was like, what? I ain't never slept eight hours a night. She said, you need to sleep eight hours a night. And so I have progressively, I am at seven, so I'm doing a lot better. Because uh, usually it's like five hours a night that I would sleep for the most part uh, and work really long hours. But uh, you need to rest. And God promises he gives you the ability to rest. He gives you sleep. He makes your sleep sweet. And it rejuvenates you. All right? So I need to speed up here just a little bit. So God wants you to take care of your physical body. Just because you're a Christian, it doesn't mean you don't have to exercise, eat right, sleep, put the right things in your body. Amen? Amen. And finances. Proverbs 10.4. I was going to share earlier that at the beginning of the year, the Lord, as I was praying about, you know, God, what do you like want me to focus on this year? And the Lord was telling me... Um, that I had to uh, check my um, savings in uh, financial things, and I have done a lot with teaching financial small groups. You should have three to six months uh, living expenses already saved up. So if you are out of work, lose your job, something of that nature, you could draw from those resources to live on. And so ours has been depleted down a little bit. No sooner did I purpose to do that that, I don't know, help me out, man. The garage door broke. The air conditioner went out. That was a big one. Um, I'm trying to think of something else. Uh, we had just a lot of things that just broke down. That, and fortunately, we had money to pay for most of it, except for the air conditioner. We still were able to pull out of our savings. But um, God wants us to live uh, successfully, prosper, prosperously, in this life. So let me read these scriptures first. Proverbs 10:4 says, "A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich." A slack hand causes poverty. So if a person is lazy, um, they're going to come to the Bible says come to rags. You have to be diligent, you have to be faithful, um, and it will open doors for you. 
Proverbs 22, 7, Proverbs chapter 22, verse 7 says, The rich rule over the poor, and can you guys read the last part of that for me? And the borrower is slave to the lender. The borrower is slave to the lender. So I, I had been looking at our um, home equity, or at our house uh, mortgage, and we've been in our house 11 years, and I said, man, maybe we should um, look at refinancing this. The interest rates are kind of dropping, and I was just really doing research. And I looked at it, and one company called me back and said, yeah, Mr. Pratt, you can get $85,000 cash. I mean, no, my eyes were like, cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. Uh, I was like, man, maybe I should consider doing that. And so I still just kept researching. Then another lender called me and says, Mr. Pratt, you only got five more years in your house. We're going to be paid off. I said, what? And so I said, man, if I only got five more years, I ain't no way I'm taking out another loan. My wife's laughing because I don't. <laughs> and so I'm not taking out another loan. So because the rich rule over the poor, you know. You see that little license plate says, I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. So you're always going to have to be working for the other person if you're in a lot of debt. Um, several others that I could give you, there's just huge amounts of practical wisdom in the book of Proverbs. Um, Proverbs 6 uh, again don't try to look all these up but go to the ant you sluggard consider her ways who without a chief officer or ruler she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in the harvest. And it says how long will you lie there O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest and poverty will come upon you like a robber and lack like an armed man. All right. So there's tons of wisdom in there, uh, in there about how to live in the financial. And the financial one's the big one for me. I'm just going to go through the last part of my notes real, real quickly with you and then summarize all of this for you um, because financial one's probably a big one that God's dealing with me on. The first thing... Uh, why do we often spend more money than we make um, is contentment. Is contentment. Contentment, by definition, is a state of happiness or satisfaction. Uh, we'll not be content until we learn to look to God as our provider. And I'm going to have, hopefully, a, a handout. I think I sent Brandy a handout that you guys can take that will have all of these notes and references for you. The reasons we overspend are pleasure and convenience. And Proverbs 21:17 addresses that. Reason number two is laziness. Uh, sometimes it's ignorance, or something the Bible calls gluttony, um, which just means that we have, a, like that verse talked about, un, a, a lack of self-control or overwhelming desires for things that, that the desire controls us as opposed to rational thinking. Bad habits, peer pressure, and then just frivolous. Feel good purchases. Now, sadly to say, I've probably done quite a few of these things. And so I'm growing in wisdom. Uh, back in my younger days, I probably made a, a lot of those mistakes. One of the things I learned about myself was that I was an emotional spender. Anytime I'd get stressed, anytime I would get depressed about something, um, I would go buy myself something. And it would just give me a boost, you know. And so these are things that, that cause us to... Um, Spend money unwisely. All right, so how do we get wisdom? Now, we've talked about it, and I hope I've given you a good picture of what wisdom actually is, the ability to apply knowledge with understanding to situations in your life. How do we get wisdom? So if you turn to Proverbs 4, 7 and 8, um, it says, The beginning of wisdom is this. And then he pauses and he says, Get wisdom. In other words, make it a priority. Make it a priority. You've got to make it a priority in your life. Get wisdom and whatever you get, get insight. Prize her and she will exalt you. Now, the she is wisdom it's talking about. Uh, it describes it as a woman. Uh, it says, prize her highly and she will exalt you like it did Solomon. And then it's going to be attractive to people that need Jesus in their life. 
She will honor you if you embrace her. She will honor you. So it's going to bring you favor and honor, and it's going to attract people to Christ. Now, Proverbs 4.20 through 22 says, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Don't let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their body. And so I just say you've got to pound wisdom in. You've got to pound it in. It's got to become something that's consistent and like a daily routine in your life. Now, and not the whole book, but just maybe one or two truths or principles that God is highlighting for you in your life, and you've got to pound it in. It says uh, give attention to it. It means you make it the first and the highest priority in your life. Amen. Is that good? All right. All right. So you have to apply it. So the beginning of wisdom is to get it. You, you prioritize it, uh, get wisdom and insight. So how do you uh, apply it? Number one, Proverbs 2.2. 2. How do you apply uh, the, the things I've been talking about today? Proverbs 2.2 2 says this. So in, uh, incline your ear into wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Apply it. I have a friend that says this. He says, sunscreen is only good if what? If, if you apply it. If you put it on. If you put it on. All right. So you have to apply it. Bow down your ear. I'm just reading some scriptures here. And hear the words of the wise and apply your heart to, uh, to knowledge. It's another proverb. So how do we receive the grace of God? Because I said, the first of all, that you, it's not going to be by your self-effort or you putting a lot of energy into it. It's cooperating with the Spirit of God as He's leading you into these truths in your life that you're hopefully going to discover. So how do you get the grace of God? And it was so funny when I prayed. I said, Lord, okay, how do I, how do I access the grace of God? And I was like, man, I should know this. The Holy Spirit said, humble yourself. I mean, He said it so clearly. He said, humble yourself. And I, I, knew, I know enough of the Scripture that I know that that's in James, or First Peter, rather, First Peter 5, First Peter 5, 5. Look up the verse and write it out. I want you to look First Peter 5, 5 up, and I want you to write it out, because it says, humble yourself, and God will give you grace. So that's the, the key is the humility, the, the, the dependence. Say, I need your help in this situation, God. I'm not going to try to figure it out or do it on my own. I'm asking you to, to lead me and to guide me and to speak to me. It's acknowledging God. And acknowledge your inability uh, and your dependence on the Holy Spirit and ask for grace. James 1.5, and if you don't have that memorized, James 1.5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. And it will be given to him. Just let him ask. God's made it so, so simple. And the humility part is that, that we are humble enough that we'll ask God, we'll ask other people, mentors, people that are uh, a little bit more mature and will sow into our lives. Just ask, and God will give it. So I want to issue a, a challenge to you guys, and hopefully... Some of you might be willing to, to take it. Um, next month is October, and there's 31 days in October, and there's 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. What I want to encourage you to do is, during the month of October, read a chapter in Proverbs every day, looking for one truth, one principle of life that God will speak to you about that you can begin to implement in your life. It's going to help you live your life well. It's going to help you live your life well. Now, some of you may not be like me. Some of you, like my wife, are maybe way more efficient at finances and, and, and way less prone to uh, frivolous spending. Uh, some of you are probably way good at health already, you know. So it just depends on what the Holy Spirit's going to pinpoint in you that's going to help you live your life better. But once that wisdom enters your heart and it begins to work in you, just know that it's going to begin to draw people. It's going to be able to begin to draw people to you. 
man, you look good. How did you lose so much weight? Or, you know, uh, hey, you, you seem to be doing well in this poor economy. How are you managing to stay afloat when all the other ships are sinking? It's because God has given you wisdom. He's given you wisdom in your life. And so if you'll hopefully take that cha- challenge, try to read a chapter every day. Um, there's 31 chapters, and all of it necessarily won't apply to you, but there's going to be something that's going to be a truth or a principle of life that God's going to speak to you about. But if you'll embrace it, you'll begin to apply it and ask God to help you, he's going to give you wisdom and spiritual insight into that. And you're going to begin to live life at a higher uh, level of excellence in such a way that it glorifies God. And that's what we all want to do is we want to glorify the Lord and we want to be able to speak into people's lives that still need to know Jesus. Amen. Amen. Can I pray for you? Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you this morning uh, for the spirit of Christ that's at work in each of us. Um, Lord, I particularly pray that for the young people that are here today, Lord, because the book of Proverbs is the story of a, a father, David, sowing into the life of his son, Solomon, and the wise instruction that he gave him. Uh, Lord, we pray that the Holy Spirit will activate in each one of us, uh, Lord, to, to dig deeper into the timeless truths that you've placed into the book of Proverbs. Lord, that we'll be able to, again, to live our lives well in an excellence that glorifies you. Because you said that you wanted us to bear fruit. You want us to bear fruit because you're glorified when when our lives produce fruit. And I pray for each person and each family and for Cornerstone Church, Lord, that we will embrace your wisdom. We begin to live life skillfully and we'll be able to glorify you. In Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.